Hey guys, and welcome to Goodversations, a collection of honest conversations with inspirational voices in the theater industry. My name is Alexandra, and I'm joined today by Allison Ava Brown. In this conversation, we covered pretty much everything from Allison's incredible portrayal of Angelica in West End's smash hit musical Hamilton, to being introverts in a traditionally extroverted industry, to looking back at her time in Les Mis, and so much more. Now, before we get into this episode, be sure to follow Allison on Instagram at AllisonAvaProud and subscribe to Goodversations for more episodes of this show. Here's my conversation with the wonderful Allison Ava Brown. How are you doing? Like, how's 2021 treating you? Oh, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm just over it. I'm all over it already. Like, 2020 was just such... I usually try and find, like, you know, the positives, like, as far as you can. But it just it just got to... You've just got to call a spade a spade. It was an awful year. And then January, for us, it's the least wonderful time of the year because you pay tax <laughs> the start right at the start of the year. So it's getting all of that stuff in order. I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> I mean, I feel you. I keep saying, roll on 2025. I know. And honestly, like I am someone who really like, like I thrive with lack of human interaction. So no shade to my partner. We, you know, we've just, we both feel it. We just need just that little bit of time every day where either of you is at work. And then you get to come home together. But it's, it's unnatural spending this much time. Like, so, I, like, he went for a walk this morning. And I was just watching, there's a new program on Netflix with Fran Leibowitz. And just with a cup of, like, ginger and lemon tea and a jar of Nutella and a spoon. I was just, like, living your best life. <laughs> I'm kind of the same. I'm I'm introverted or I can be. And so I'm usually based in London, but currently right now I'm actually in Latvia, which is where I'm from originally because like many people, I've uh, you know, got my things and moved back with my parents, which Yes, so did I. <laughs> so I feel you completely. Yeah, it's just, just suddenly because we did the same. It was actually my partner and I that moved back to my parents. And we didn't know how long it was. We were trying to look for somewhere else at the same time while, you know, we didn't know then if we'd be going back to work in a couple of months or whatever. Um, So it ended up being like, you know, one, two, three, four, five, nearly six months. And then we just went, escaped to like the the country, to the middle of nowhere for like November, December. And we're still here now just just to escape from everything. Because suddenly going from a lockdown of two to a lockdown of four and two cats, it was very busy. (laughs) I do this thing on the podcast where I put 60 seconds on the clock and the person in the hot seat, that would be you, tells me their life story in one minute with as much detail as you possibly can. Okay, little mixed race, race girl grew up in a very white town in Essex, very crazy place. Um, I begged my mum to go to dance class after seeing a ballerina at the age three. Met my friends at a class where you bring a teddy bear. Did loads of dancing, um, uh, which I don't do anymore. Um, went to youth theatre and various different things. Couldn't sing, learnt to sing. Then got involved in. Went to theatre school. 
but got involved with 90s R&B and was at the studio on the weekends, um, did a bit of that for a while, then got into a bit of television, then got into a bit of theatre, then lost my mind many number of times and and then um, then did Hamilton, had a lot of fun, met my partner Mark and we're going to get a cat soon. Oh, how many seconds left? I'm going really Two, fast. One. Oh, well, there you go. That's me in a nutshell. I suppose let's dive in. So you kind of mentioned something about a teddy bear and, you know, wanting to dance and and taking mm-hmm. dance classes at first. So and and being inspired by, I believe you said a ballerina. There was a ballerina on telly um, and I begged my mum, I, I want to be a ballerina. You know, can we go? So she found a little local dance school. And I think for my birthday, she bought me a little dance uniform or a dance outfit. I think it was red with a little kind of little skirt. Um, and we then we went to a local dance school where you had to bring a teddy bear. And there were only three or four, four of us in the class. And we're all actually friends still to this day. But I really wanted to be their friend because they had like care bears and I just had like a generic bear. And it, it was just really fun. I mean, we didn't do very much. I mean, we were just kind of holding our be- bears, swinging left to right. But I mean, bonds were made. But I think the first live performance I went to see was a local pantomime um when I was and I was three at the time and I cried because I there were children on stage and I wasn't I didn't I was like I didn't know that you could be a part of it and I wanted to be there and join in um and it was really great and I just thought it I just it was snow white there was I mean I think Linda Lusardi who was a household name in the UK at the, I mean she is still now but she was she was a huge name in the UK at the time and she was Snow White and she was so beautiful. And there was a, like a theatre legend called Norman Wisdom who played the funny, funny character Buttons. Yeah. And I just thought I, I just thought it was magical and brilliant. And I just I just I didn't know what it was that I was seeing. but I wanted to be in, I was completely involved in the world and I just wanted to be there. And anything that I saw that was kind of like that, whether it was on TV or wherever, I was just like, ah, count me in. Well, I know and love you from a little show called Hamilton. And so many of us think you're incredible in it. But let's talk about your process just preparing for a role like this. Like when you see a character like that on the page, what's your entry point? <sighs> Angelica was just like a really yummy kind of character like, like for any female that gets to play her, there's just so much there. It's everything there. All the elements that you get in your kind of Shakespeare hero- heroines. She's kind of almost crafted on that, I think. That was my starting point with her because there's so much that she has to say and so much that she has to share. And she's really sophisticated and quite playful with her language and the way that she puts that across and the way she chooses that to to chooses to put that across and how she changes it to whoever she's speaking to. I decided to investigate her the same way I would one of the great kind of classic heroines. By the time I played her, I had great women like Renee, Elise Goldsberry, Manda Gonzalez, Rachel John, who had already played her. So I had all of this wealth of knowledge to draw from and borrow from, as well as the information about the Angelica Schuyler Church that was already out there. So there was, it was just quite a yummy challenge and experiment. That's amazing. I know her, like I just identified with her. That's everything that I would love to do on stage in one gig. 
That's incredible. So how did this audition come your way? Well, I actually auditioned in year one because they auditioned everyone, like anyone who was black or, you know, of any other ethnicity or like, you know, funky white or the Kings, <laughs> and like kind of just everyone. Every, it was just an opportunity for them to meet and re-meet as many people as possible. Um, and I was on hold for quite a long time. It didn't work out. And that was fine. I remember seeing the casting come out and I was like, they've done good. Like they, cause they pick real kind of like seeing names like Jason Pennycook and Giles Torreira, Rachel John, of course. And then Jamel, who was kind of newer to theater, but I'd kind of known about and, you know, we'd kind of worked together a little bit. And, and I was like, what, this is going to be something really special. And, I, and the show is in the right hands. So then when they were doing the cast change, um, and my friend who was auditioning for the role of alternate Hamilton, Carl Queensborough, he got the role later on. Um, I was like, oh, well, I, I, if, if, you know, if they're auditioning again, if there's, I'd love to audition for one of the sisters and hopefully not Eliza because they're in no way in a month of Sunday. So they'll be able to sing that. Um, and then I, my agent sent me an email just saying, oh, they've asked to see you. Are you interested? And I was like, you bet your ass I'm interested. I'm learning the material. As I, in fact, I never kind of stopped revisiting the material. I just always knew that it was right for me for whatever capacity. So I just kept going back to it every now and then, just because it's something that you enjoy singing and all of that. Yeah, going, going to the audition every fortnight was kind of the way and you meet more and more pe members of the team each time you go in. I found it a really enjoyable and terrifying process because it is very clear that you're auditioning for something really that they take really seriously. But at the same time, really enjoying just discovering this character. And I, after every audition, I thought, I know that they didn't see, you know, opening night performance, but I know that they, they're getting to see my discovery of her and the process of it. So I know that they're getting to see how I work, if that makes sense. And I thought that that was more useful in the way they auditioned for that show. So it, it was a joy in, in one sense, but also terrifying. <laughs> um, that sounds incredible. And obviously I'm not the first person to say this, that Hamilton is a grand masterpiece, but I feel like yeah. Satisfied, your big number in the show is especially yeah. extraordinary in the way that it's set up and, you know, starting from the actual concept to the way you guys yeah. execute it eight times a week. So how did you go about learning it? Because there's so many elements in it. I, I do not, it's actually quite easy to learn once you're kind of in the habit of learning songs and text quite quickly, especially when you're auditioning a lot, become quite good at kind of learning pieces of text very quickly and then kind of throwing them away as quickly as you've learned them. So the learning of it wasn't that hard. It was more the learning to sustain it and to do, because I was at the start of certainly through, throughout auditioning, really, I'm so glad that it was two weeks apart and not like every day, like for a week, but I was good at doing the opening night performance and I was good at kind of doing the journey through the song and belting out those notes. But I would be spent as if like I'd need a week off. And I was like, I've got to learn how to do this because I'm going to have to do this eight times a week. And like, um, 
that was the challenge for me. Um, I, and I found it really hard. And, and yeah, like two, two show days were never like a thing that became a piece of cake. Like not once was it ever easy. It was always. I can imagine. Because it's also <laughs> so, especially Satisfied, is so lyrically dense. But if I was to, let's say, try and learn it at home, do you have any tips for me? How would you approach that? Do a bit, rewind, stop, start again. Like that was always my method. Like, um, and that's how I used to learn things back in the day, like things that were really hard. Like if I had to learn complicated runs or riffs or um, really quick, like when I, when Destiny's Child came up with the Writings on the Wall album and Beyonce was doing all that fast kind of Buster Rhymes type singing, um, I'd, I'd learn a bit, then repeat it, learn it, go back, repeat, learn, go back, repeat, and then tag on the next line and just do it kind of line by line until it becomes, ah. Oh, this is getting a bit bit easier and just and and enjoy the stumble <laughs> enjoy the stumble there will be a lot <laughs> I gotta tell you I didn't fully appreciate satisfied when I first saw the show because I think I was just so overwhelmed I was like whoa what's happening um <laughs> all around me but now I'm obsessed with it it's on my playlist I listen to it like five times a week not even kidding but you know, besides Satisfied, is there a number in the show that really blows your mind? Oh, my gosh. Wait For It is is one of my favorites. Like, there's quite a few times, like, on a really, like, tired or emotional day where I just, like, cry at the end when I'm supposed to be singing the, like, backing because I just really feel for Burr at that moment. And I just feel like that's one of the moments where he shows his whole heart and then he packs it away and composes himself and goes back to being very professional. And I, I just, I really, that, that, and, and the arrange, the intricacy of the arrangements just really blows my mind. And it just really reminds me of like an R&B song that Neo might have written or an artist like Neo with the, the, the kind of harmony pattern. I just love it. And also Guns and Ships, that um, rap that Lafayette does. I'm just, I always watch In the Wings because I love that moment when um, he's just about everyone's favourite bird in French and he just about to jump out. And it's just such a beautiful picture that you get from the side of the stage. I just get so excited by it. And I love to watch their mouths when they do the rap because it's just super, super fast. I can, I can so see the, the like Buster Rhymes-ness of it all. <laughs> like, I just think it's beautiful. I was re-watching it on Disney Plus the other day and um, it just blew my mind. I had to skip back a whole minute to be like, what did he say? What was happening? It was yeah. insane. But I love that every character gets a moment to shine, including mm -hmm. ensemble, including mm -hmm. everyone in the show. Um, but, you know, being Angelica eight times a week, um, I wonder if you've carried over sort of any elements of that personality and role into your own life. Can I just say, I wish, <laughs> because I just... What I love about her are a lot of the elements actually that my mum has. Like she's just very confident. She's a woman who's never known what it feels like to be insecure or anxious about anything. That 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 thought process doesn't make sense to her. Um, someone who walks into the room and is immediately respected and expects that, like my whole life, certainly since getting to know her, has been a quest to kind of borrow as much of that as I can. Because if anything, I think being the daughter of someone like that, kind of by default, you become the opposite. So um yeah, that is kind of 
in in my dreams, I would like to, by osmosis, soak up some of that. But why do you think the show has resonated with as many people worldwide as it has? It's the musical style because it's the first, I think a lot of musicals have, you know, some that have been in the works that just, just have kind of paved the way for something like Hamilton but hasn't had the platform that Hamilton has. Um, and I've seen that. I've been lucky enough to see that firsthand. So I don't want to say that Hamilton is a first because Hamilton is a product of all of those, you know, and stands on the shoulders of all of that work. But it's the first kind of musical in the mainstream to be a hit show that really genuinely does sound like stuff that people are listening to and are number one on Spotify and iTunes and Deezer and all of those platforms. Whereas I feel like a lot of, musicals in the past have tried to do that but it's definitely still been musical theatre or even even though they thought this is really current this is really present it was still very very much musical theatre with the exception of maybe Rent Rent kind of was I, I feel like Rent is one of those shows that Hamilton definitely stands on the shoulders of yes. um, but um, definitely that because it's kind of something just kind of that a lot of people who never considered theatre is something that they'd be interested in or whatever, suddenly they've suddenly got a theatre album on their playlist and they're running to it or it's just suddenly just opened up something. And I think it's really exciting to see. No, exactly. And uh, to something, to what you just said, um, I remember when it first came to London, I was listening to the soundtrack on the tube and I saw the person next to me also like having their Spotify open and I saw that they're listening to Hamilton as well. And I was like, wow, it's everywhere. Yeah, it's crazy. And there were so many people that I didn't know until I was in the show that they were fans of the show as well. Like people that I didn't, I, like, I didn't even think that you would care, you know, like kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like I keep repeating myself, but this show truly is a phenomenon. And, you know, thank you for sharing a bit about your journey with it and the audition process for you and, you know, stuff like that, because Whenever I talk to someone about Hamilton, I'm always just so fascinated to learn a little bit more about the show. Um, I actually know Sharon. She's a friend of a friend's and I, she's a previous podcast guest. And it was just so amazing to see how she grew with the show as well from a standpoint mm -hmm. to taking over the lead. Female, like oh, it was just incredible. And we all like everyone wanted her to get the part and kind of was just so rooting for her and just knew that it should be hers. Like she was just so brilliant, so consistent, so like in tune with the heart of Eliza. Actually my first week of rehearsal on stage, she came in to rehearse as Eliza and I was just like, you are very, very special. Like, and she was just like, I was like, what other stuff have you done? Like, and I was like, cause there was a, I knew she was Zimbabwean and there was a Zimbabwean play on at the time. And I was like, um, were you seen for it? And she was like, oh no, because I've, I've done musicals, so they tend not to see. And I remember sending her a really long essay, like just saying, please never think that any door is closed to you because I'm telling you, whether you're singing, you have this gorgeous voice, but whether you're singing, whether you're speaking, it doesn't matter. You just have a heart that transcends. And I just know that by, you know, you're in the right place. And I just know that there are so many doors that are going to open for you. And you're so 
I just think that it's very timely. I'm sorry if this, like, I was like, I'm sorry to like ramble, like send you a really lot, you know, like, and she was just like, oh, thank you. And then suddenly like all these, I'm not saying that I did this. (laughs) I'm just saying it was lovely to witness all these doors open for her and quite rightly so. Like, And it was just someone that's just like, just give her all the flowers because she deserves it. And the heart behind that woman is just, she's just pure beauty. She's just brilliant. That's amazing. People love a good mishap story, right? So do you have any that you're allowed to share? Well, (laughs) I mean, I have so many. I mean, I think the time that I kind of messed up my words in the rap and what I said kind of resembled something like instead of his penniless is flying by the seat of his pants, it sounded something like his penniless shimmering on a penis and pants. And I think Aaron was playing George Washington that day. He was like, girl, <laughs> it was like, I don't know what you said. <laughs> it was very funny. There was also another time where I got a frog in my throat in the middle of Skylar Sisters, quite near the end. I knew I couldn't get anywhere near the octave that I needed to get to do the end of the song. So instead of, I ended up going like, oh, 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 <laughs> because I, just, I did cry. It was so early on in the show. It's like the third song. So like, you know that you've got, I'm like, what if that happens again? Satisfied, like there's nowhere to hide. So I, I was just, I was terrified, terrified. I know that you're an incredible actress and you can <laughs> carry yourself through it brilliantly, I'm sure. Um, but actually... <laughs> Kind of talking about your other projects, I was surprised to find out that you were in Les Mis as well on the West End. I yeah. didn't know that before. That was um, over 11 years ago now. And you were Fantine, right? So what mm. are the three words that you would use to describe your experience playing that role? Happy, complicated, mind-boggling. <laughs> Can you tell? Why was it complicated and mind-boggling? Because It was difficult at that time being the only person of colour in the building, like not just on stage, but in the building. And in the early days of that happening in the show, it was just hard because it it was just a block for a lot of people. So you would, you just, it was, you were coming up against a lot and you were not necessarily, I don't know if embrace, maybe I'm being too hard. I felt like I was never really accepted in the role, if that makes Got sense. It. Which in a way is, is good is good to experience and get it out of the way because everyone has that, you know, like that happens. I stand by to this day what I did with the role. I I was also an anomaly because I don't have that kind of musical theatre voice. So I don't I think when people think of Les Mis, they I'm not the first person that comes to mind, if that makes sense. Um and certainly most people would have thought, oh, you played Eponine, which I did years before. But um, Eponine lives in a different vocal world, whereas Fontaine is associated with a little bit more traditional, um, which isn't what I deliver. And I knew that going in. So I was like, OK, I'm an actress. I'm going to do the same thing that I always do with the role. I'm going to treat this the same you know, way. This is a classical piece of text. It's Victor Hugo. So I studied the pages of her story and the book and played it that way. And I, and I tried to use the tuberculosis thing because I don't have a very clean and clear voice. Where she starts to break and her body starts to break down and her voice and her access to her breath lessons, um, 
I felt like as an actress, I had license to go there more, but because it's a role that's associated with such vocal beauty, I feel like that was very hard for a lot of people to accept, which I understand. It was an experiment, but I, I stand by, I stand by my performance and, and my process behind that role. Like I love that show so much. I shared a dressing room with the best girls, and we had such a laugh. People were always like, "Oh, watch out! There's always dramas in the dress, the girls' dressing yeah. room." And we were like, "Not on our watch." And there wasn't. It was really nice. So there was that safe haven there. And it was just like, there wasn't a day that I didn't walk into that theatre and say like, thank you. Like, this is just a gift to be doing this show. And you hear that overture at the start. And it's just like, I get to do this tonight. Like, this is what a wonderful way to spend a year. And that I really relished. You kind of touched upon this, but what are some of the kind of on the job lessons that you feel like you've learned through the years? Oh my God, that's such a good question. When I first left school and joined the business, I knew how to act in a sense. I know how to make things seem realistic as if it's a scene happening between us two right now. But what I didn't respect or understand was that there is an art to making that read. If you're in a theatre or in a bigger house and whether you're wearing a mic or not, People have to be able to hear you. They have to be able to understand you. They have to be able to see your face. So you've got to be learn to kind of do that in a way that's mindful. It can be real and natural and you can feel everything. But if no one can see it or hear it, then it just, it just, it's not going to work. And it took, that was one of my first lessons, but it was a lesson that I had to learn like over and over again, you know, and also what works for TV doesn't work on stage. And that was a big lesson that you can do the same scene but in those two different mediums, you might have to play them completely differently in order to just serve the audience that you're reaching in that medium. So that, that they're, they're the kind of biggest lessons that took me the longest time. And also that you can't sing your first night every night. You have to yeah. find something that's sustainable for you. Right. You can't always give 110. It's just not oh. possible. No, and you've you've got to learn, and nothing good from ten comes from tension. But if I'm nervous or anxious or stuff, then it all kind of creeps in to my body language and my performance, and it's it just shows. Absolutely, and that was actually going to be my next question. You know, do you ever find yourself having to push through nerves and anxiety and that sort of thing? Because I feel like you kind of mentioned that you are an introvert, and I am an introvert, yeah. so I kind yeah. of get that in a people facing role it's not always straightforward for us yes it really it really is and I think it's not uncommon to be an introvert in an extrovert's world like kind of thing in theater and for me the the hard thing is always the coming out here I am looking everyone in the eye because for, for so long for me looking people in the eye was one of the most terrifying things ever and I remember I didn't get any nerves until I was 21 and I had my first West End lead and just out of nowhere one day I stepped on stage and I was suddenly like all these people are looking at me and I just I, I just needed like an invisible hand to kind of shield me so that I could be there and do it and perform it but not have anyone looking at me and I kind of was able to push through that at that time but it it, it has come back at various points in life. Um, I learned later, not until my 30s, actually, that I actually have anx general anxiety disorder. So actually, it's 
a little bit more of a challenge to kind of work through that. It definitely came back when I did Hamilton with a vengeance, just because you're just so aware of how many people are seeing you. I mean, social media was like my worst enemy, just because people tweet you all the time saying, we're in the show, we can't wait, and all of this stuff. And sometimes people tweet what they think of the show, good or bad, you know, and they put you in the tweet and all of that stuff. And that I wasn't prepared for everyone knowing where I was. And I found that really hard. So I kind of just made it my mission to kind of try everything and see what stuck and what worked kind of the best. Um, But I think it's something that I will always have to kind of review and come back to and see different things will work better for different jobs and different times. But certainly I, I worked with a director a couple of years ago who was really into Meisner technique. And he he was just amazing. His name is Che Walker and he is just brilliant. He just has this way. You just feel like you're not doing any work. And then suddenly you all go back to the scene. Everyone just rises and there's no filter. There's no inhibitions. It's just right to the heart of the piece and the characters and how they relate to each other. And with all of that as the focus, is so liberating because you're not thinking about you or the fact that people are looking at you. You're just owning your space and the words and all. It, the focus is so much on that that you're just all the other stuff is gone. And I, after working for him for a good few years, I was like, I've got my process now. I know, I, I know how I work best. But yeah, it is it is challenging being an introvert in this world, you know. Absolutely. And I'm so grateful that you shared this just now because that's the one thing, however small my platform is, that's the one thing I try to talk openly about, anxiety and things like that. And that's why I love when people are being open and honest like you just were about experiences of that. Yeah, that's it. And I've heard a lot of people say, oh, well, everyone says that they've got anxiety these days and you know everyone's just jumping on the bandwagon but it's like no actually what's happening is I didn't know that I had anxiety I didn't know anything I would read kind of symptoms of it and think oh how awful and I didn't actually realize I watched a documentary with the Nadia from um Great British Bake Off yeah yes when she and it was called anxiety in me and I was like I'd never seen something that I related to so much. And I was like, that's what's happening. People are actually just learning more about it and hearing more about it and realizing I'm the same. That That's the same. Maybe that's happening to me. There is something comforting in seeing people that have overcome things speak about this is something that I deal with in everyday life and it sucks, but I found some things or I'm on the journey of finding things. I always like listening to the journeys of people who still haven't quite found something and rather than the person who's got it all sussed I find that a little bit more comforting absolutely the the more I kind of share about it the more I feel like sometimes if my behavior has been an anomaly in a certain circle if people hear this they'll know why (laughs) you know because I used to get so much flack when I was younger in casts because I didn't ever go to the bar for drinks after and stuff like that. But I mean, I, have you ever done the Myers-Briggs personality test? I thing? have, yeah. Because I'm 83% introvert on it. So I just wanted to go home and close the door and be alone at last. And that didn't mean 
that I loved them any less. And it didn't mean that I wasn't happy in their presence. It just meant that I'd maxed out on human time for the day and I needed just to debrief from that. Because if I don't get that debrief time, then I'm less than less able to function in, in everyday life with any kind of effectiveness at all. I hear you and I, alongside many other people, have felt the same way at different moments in my life. And so thank you for speaking about it and for letting us in on that aspect of your personality. As I know, a lot of people are inspired by you. And so, you know, hearing this is just really, really special. Now, speaking about inspiration, though, I'm curious to know, who do you define as a visionary? I love it. I mean, Lynn, I mean, he's created just something that hasn't happened or hasn't happened in theatre for a very long time. I have a friend called Noam Galperin, who I'd describe as a visionary as well. He is a composer and he does, like, he is someone who's on the cusp of really kind of something very special happening with his work. Talking about kind of bringing new stories and new voices to to the stage, what kinds of stories do you think you would like to see more of? I don't know. Like, I just think it's a really exciting time because for years there was a very clear musical theatre sound and those that could do it did it beautifully and that was that was the genre and there wasn't really much room for deviation and um, but now there's kind of people are able to sound like themselves and not have to kind of change how they sound in order to kind of bring music alive in these pieces and it's really exciting like i i'm really excited by the new young artists that i'm seeing come out in musical theater like the girls from six it's so uk and and i think that's something that i'd like to see more of in musical theater i would love to see something that involves grime and like kind of that kind of journey with storytelling because i just think that that would be really yummy to watch and would invite a whole new type of person into theater but it would have to be unapologetically authentic. So that is what I'd like to see. Amazing. Well, thank you for sharing those. We're putting it out there. Who knows? I feel like now nothing's possible, but in a way, everything's possible. So hopefully. <laughs> yes. And that's it more than anything. Like, I think, wouldn't it be a shame if things went exactly back to how they were? Like, I just think it would be a time, for, it would be great if we saw some real disruptors take the helm, like of certainly mainstream theatre and it would be really interesting to see what you know what that would really look like but in that sort of vein we've kind of you know decided that 2021 is already a shit show and we're over it but <laughs> you know but if you could just throw a couple of ideas or you know career aspirations out there knowing that they will come true what would you wish for um I would love to like do the voice of like a new Pixar thing or some, something that means that maybe we can do it remotely at home in our pajamas like so I I would love to do that and my, my partner like I don't know how he sees me but every weird character or like every kind of strange waitress that's on like a Pixar movie with funny glasses it's like nothing like he's just like you could play that role and I'm like you know I would never get cast in that role <laughs> but maybe you know if we can do it in the voiceover realm I'm here for it I'm putting it out there career goals um that to be honest I had one for you just tell me to shut up if you don't want to hear it I thought about Moulin Rouge because obviously it's coming to the West End eventually in 
whatever, 22, 23, who knows, sometime soon, hopefully. And I was thinking Satine, Alison Ava Brown. Oh my God. Done. Put it out there, please, because I would love for that to happen, but I don't think it is going to happen. <laughs> but I would love it. Well, never say never. And I, I hope and pray that it does happen for you. And hopefully, you know, take the score down a few keys. <laughs> Because Satine, she works very hard and she's coming down from the rafters and... <laughs> We're putting it out there. Whatever happens, happens. Let's just put it there. But hey, what are you grateful for today? Jars of Nutella. The fact that they do them that size, that is... I, I'm most grateful today for my jar of Nutella in my cupboard and it's the perfect temperature and it goes perfectly with a cup of tea and that's what I'll have again shortly. <laughs> Simple pleasures. Love it. I'm grateful for this conversation, truly. And thank you so much for talking mm. to us. My pleasure. It's lovely to meet a fellow theatre introvert. There's yeah. not many of us. Thank you guys so much for listening this week. If you enjoyed this conversation, it would be great if you could just take five seconds of your time to screenshot this conversation and post it to your Insta stories. Because in this way, more people will get to know about this interview and get to hear Alison's thoughts on the industry. Have a wonderful week, everybody. Stay safe, stay healthy, and I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. <laughs>